How many of you have ever been in a tough spot in your life? Well, breathe easy. If life's great today, it may really not be tomorrow. Tough spots are part of life. There was a dad that was going to his son's ball game. Son was seven years old playing baseball. The dad got there late, and he sees his son running off the field, and the top of the first inning had just ended, and the other team had batted. His son's team hadn't batted. The dad gets out, then he looks at the scoreboard, and the score is 19 to nothing. Now, if you don't know anything about baseball or softball, if you're down 19 to nothing after the top of the first and you hadn't batted, that's a bad spot to be in. Amen? It is. We're in Exodus chapter 14, and we're going to look at some people who were in a really, really bad spot and how God pulled them through it. Exodus 14, you don't have the Bible, your Bible with you will be on the screen. But here, let's begin with this. In life, you're going to end up in tough spots. You you just are. Things are going to happen. Things are going to take place, and you're going to end up in places that are bad, that are not fun, that are not enjoyable. Uh, two, Two things I think to understand about this. Sometimes we end up in tough spots by our own doing. Sometimes, now, the cool thing, this is not the, the part of the story today. It's not true about them. I know it's true about me, and I know, I know not enough of you to know it's true about you too. Sometimes we just, we just goof up, don't we? I mean, we, we, we do things, we say things, we financially we get in trouble because we overspend and we don't save, or, or we, we get in trouble in relationships because we, we get angry with people, we say things we shouldn't say. We, sometimes we are in a bind because of something that we have done to put us there in the bind. How many of you are familiar with the philosopher Dennis the Menace? You know who Dennis the Menace is? He's a cartoon character. It's been movies about him. I've always loved him for years and years. And I remember seeing a cartoon years ago where Dennis is answering the front door and his parents are behind him and the, there's a young couple at the door. And Dennis says, great, now I can see my dad climb the wall like he said he was going to do if you ever came over here again. Think about that. It is funny. You can say things and put yourself in a tight spot. You can do things. Sometimes we do things, we lose our temper, whatever it is, and we put ourselves in a bind. That's part of life. But here's the thing that is intriguing and that we need to understand. Sometimes you can be right in the middle of God's will and be in a tough spot. Sometimes we are right where God wants us to be. We're doing what God wants us to do, and we end up in a, in a pickle, in a mess. Verse 1 and 2, the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Haharoth, between Magdal and the sea, in the front of Baal-Zephon. You thought saying Dubak and Shudrant were hard. And you shall camp facing it by the sea. Now, God gave them specific directions about where they were supposed to go. And guess what? They're going to do it. They're, they're going exa- to do exactly what God has told them to do. In verse 5, it says, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And, and it, they said, What is this that we have done? So we let the people of Israel go from serving us. The, the king of the, the story, God had had to use a lot of power to get the king of Egypt to let the Jewish people go, who'd been slaves there for hundreds of years. And now the king, he's stubborn and he's sinful, and God's trying to work on him. And 
but it dawns on him, hey, we had free labor. We had free labor for hundreds of years, and now we have lost that free labor. And by the way, they went out defying us. We are not going to let this Stand. Verse 6, so he made ready his chariot, and he took his army with him, and he took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers all, over all of them. And the Lord hardened the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, hardened his heart. No, his heart was hard, and God was just cooperating on his path of sinfulness, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. In his eyes, they were. Verse 9, the Egyptians pursued them. All of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army overtook them and encamped at the sea by Pi-Haharoth in front of Belzephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they feared greatly, and the people of Israel cried out to God. Now, we're going to talk about more of this in just a second. But here's where the the Jewish people now are on a huge beach. They've come through a canyon, through some mountains, and to the right of them is mountains, to the left of them is mountains, and right in front of them is the sea, and behind them, the only way out is a very angry Pharaoh with his army, and he's out for blood. I mean, is he going to kill them, or he's going to take them back to Egypt to be slaves? Would you agree with me they were in a bad spot? Yes, they were in a bad spot. I mean, there's a lot of these people. They've been mean and half of the Jewish people, but they weren't soldiers. They weren't fighting men. And they had women and children with them. This is a bad spot. Now, folks, they got in a bad spot just doing exactly what God told them to do. That, that On TV preaching, that doesn't work out that way, does it? You say, just follow God and everything will be wonderful and send money to my ministry and God will bless you. That's, that's false prophets, what that is. You think Jesus was in God's will when he got crucified? Uh, Yeah. Sometimes you are going to be doing exactly what you should be doing. Not perfectly, but the direction of your life. You're following God. You're trying to be obedient. And bam, you just get get sidelined. You get knocked out. You get clipped. This is a true story. It happened in Taiwan. And I think people were trying to do the right thing. It was January of 2004, a 66-ton sperm whale died and beached on the southwest coast of the island. Two weeks later, this may have been the mistake, the authorities decided to truck the dead whale to a laboratory where they could do an autopsy. So they loaded the 56-foot huge whale on a flatbed truck. Every redneck's dream, isn't it? Man, I pulled that whale through the town on my truck. My truck, your truck couldn't do that. Well, their truck, okay, they're doing it. They're hauling this whale through the streets of a city in the middle of the day on a work day. And the whale explodes. Internal gases had built up in it. Isn't this great? Internal gases build up in it. They're driving along and all of a sudden, boom, the whale explodes. Can you imagine that? And Merrick goes home that night and Emily says, Merrick, what's that on your shirt? Whale. Well, what's that in your hair? Well, I don't have a lot of hair. I'm, I'm sorry. And, and <laughs> you got more than me, bro. And, uh, and Mary says, that's whale. And she goes, your teeth, that's whale too. You know, how do you explain that? You know, so you're just walking down the street and a whale explodes on you. <laughs> that's, but that's how life can be sometimes. How, why does that happen? Well, it happens for a couple of reasons. One, when you follow God, you are not immune from, from pain and suffering. Again, that's false teaching. 
when, when you follow God, you still have to live in the real world, don't you? Yes. And when you start following God, that is when the devil is going to attack you. Folks, if, you are, if you're in church playing on Facebook this morning or you're not interested or you don't even come to church, you guys did, you're not interested. The devil's not going to mess with you because he's got you right where he wants you. But when you start following God and you get in God's will and you try to do the right things, then the devil's really going to hit you. He's going to try to corner you. Now, God, in the same situation, is trying to work too. See, God's trying to test them to build them up, to make them stronger. God's wanting to prove a point to the bad guys too. So in, in your tough spot, when you're in the middle of God's will, know that the devil's trying to derail you, but God's trying to do something great that's going to glorify him and that's going to help and benefit you. But understand this, in life you're going to get in tough spots. In Tennessee, we used to say it's like getting caught between a rock and a hard place. You ever heard that saying before? What that means is you're in a bind. The Jewish people were in a bind, and and some of you are in a bind this morning. Emotionally, financially, physically, spiritually, and again, if you're, if you're not today, you will be at some point. So let's look at this. What you do in the tough spot determines the outcome. What you and I do in the tough spots determines the results. I want to list you a couple of things. The first is the what we don't need to do. Number one, don't panic and go the sinful route. Oh, this is so easy. This is so easy. Verse 10, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. Behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to God, well, you got the most powerful country in the world with the most powerful army, and the king is leading it. It's probably normal to be a little nervous. Wouldn't you agree? It's like kickoff or before the football game, or it's like the... Before you throw the ball out and they play ball, I mean, you're going to be a little nervous. So it's normal to be a little nervous, but don't let it go sinful. Look in verse 11. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? This is the first place the pastor started getting blamed for everything. Now, this is sarcasm that you and I just, we probably would miss. Egypt is known for its graves. When you think of Egypt, what do you think of? You don't think of their taco salad. You think of pyramids, right? Correct? Oh, that Egyptian food, it's really good. Well, it may be, but none of us have, I know of it beaten it. You think of pyramids, and they've always been really big into funerals and graveyards. One scholar said that at one time, three-fourths of Egypt was, was set aside for graveyards. And so it's like they're saying, hey, buddy, we came from a place that had the best graveyards in the world. Why'd you bring us out here to die? It's your fault that I'm in this pickle. One, quit blaming everybody else for your problems, but that's exactly what they do. And they're blaming God indirectly also. Look in verse 12. Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than for us to die in the desert. They were slaves. And they're basically saying, we'd rather be a slave than have our freedom. We'd rather go back there and get beaten and mistreated than than live a new life and have an adventure. You're in a tight spot. Don't start griping and complaining and blaming. I saw this in a church bulletin years ago. Harping is not a musical ability. 
<laughs> when you got to beat on people and beat on things and complain and harbor and gripe, you know, some people, they think they have the spiritual gift of criticism. I'm just, you know, I'm just to have the ability to look at you and tell you everything that's wrong with you. But yeah, you, that's a spiritual gift from the devil. Amen. <laughs> Don't go the sinful route. And it's so easy for that to happen. You get in a bind, so you want to blame somebody else. You panic, which is normal. But don't let yourself follow the normal route here, okay? Let me give you four things to do that are positive. Number, number one, or it's number two, I guess, with this point, make sure things are right with you and God. Okay, we talked about earlier that sometimes we get in a bind by our own mistakes, this is always the great examination point. You're in a mess today. You're having problems at work. You're having problems in your marriage, your finances, your, your emotions, whatever it is, you're in a bind. The first place you need to look is to you and God. God, have I done this to myself? God, what sin, is there any sin I need to deal with and get right? God, is there anything I need to go to someone else? God's not going to bless you if you're a hater towards other people. God, is there somebody I need to go to and I need to get this right and to work through this and listen to him honestly? Here's one thing that will happen. God may show you, yes, you've created this mess. You need to get your heart right with God. Now, folks, let me tell you one of the most beautiful things. God says in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. So if you've created your tight spot today, go to God, confess your sin, do what you need to do. And listen, God will put his hand in your mess and and make a masterpiece. Isn't that great? If you've created your tough spot, when you get right with God and you own what you've done, if whatever your part is in it, listen, God's going to meet, God's not going to just keep kicking you. God's going to meet you there and pick you up and say, let's move forward. Isn't that wonderful? Sometimes you're going to examine yourself and you're going to say, I'm not perfect, but I think I'm on the right path. God, I'm in a bind, but I think I'm following you. you that's what you've got to do. God's not going to bless you if you're not following him. So you've got to make sure you're in the right spot with God. Okay, you're following God. Here's the next thing. Pray and keep praying. Pray and keep praying. Here's what we do. We get in a tight spot, so we pray for two days and nothing happens, and then we curse God. God never answers prayers. Prayer's not real. Prayer doesn't work. Come on. Really? In verse 10, I don't know if they were praying or complaining, but the last part of it says, And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. I don't know if they were crying against him or to him, but I want to encourage you to cry out to God and keep praying. How many of you honestly have been praying about something and you're about ready to quit? I mean, okay, how many of you have ever been there? You go, man, I prayed about this for two years, three years, four years. Nothing's changing. Every time I get to that point, I hear the whisper of God saying, don't. Quit praying. Write this down if you're taking notes. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. I try to read this almost every day, and I'm going to paraphrase it. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. Those who ask, get. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, will receive. The tense of those verbs, listen, are keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. So you're in a tight spot. You pray and you pray and you keep praying and you keep praying and you keep praying. Prayer's not the only thing we're going to do, but it's the, it's the, it's the starting point. And be honest and sincere. Are you, 
are you praying sincerely when you pray to God? I have a pastor friend in Oklahoma who tells a story. He swears it's true. The most sincere public prayer request he has ever heard. It was, it was not a little church, but it wasn't a big church. Probably about 100, 125 people there. They had a center aisle. And this mom with a really bad five-year-old boy are sitting about right here where my granddaughter Riley's sitting. But remember, there's a center aisle. There's, and the kid's acting terrible during the sermon. Preachers, we really pray against that all week. She's got two choices. She can walk him out the front in front of the preacher, which was a bad choice. But the other choice is take him out at the center aisle, down the aisle. She picks him up like a bag of groceries and starts heading toward the back door. Do you know what y'all do when that happens? Everybody in the church goes. I mean, I can be talking about Jesus is alive and he loves you. don't care. You want to see the kid get whipped. And so that's why we go over to this side of the room and start saying, you're going to go to hell. We try to do anything to get your attention away from the kid going to get whipped. Well, they get to the very back door, and that kid grabs the back door. And the, for that just one moment, the, the mother can't pull him loose, and he turns around and says, please pray for me. <laughs> and the pastor said, by the look on that mama's face, that kid needed prayer. <laughs> pray sincerely. Listen, here's one of the neatest things in the world. The God who created the universe is sitting and waiting to talk to you. Isn't that wonderful? Capitalize on that. Pray. Here's another thing. Trust and keep trusting God. Trust and keep trusting. God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to keep trusting you. Verse 13 and 14. Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work out for you today. The Egyptians whom you've seen today, you're not going to see again. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Folks, Moses was aware the Egyptians were coming. Moses is aware of the mountains. Moses is aware of the sea. But his main focus is on the God who can overcome all that. I'm not telling you, don't ignore your problems. But keep your main focus on God who can help you with your problems. Amen? See, what's going to drive you crazy or what's going to give you peace is what you're focusing on. Trust God. You're going to see in a moment, if God can get them through this, God can get you through anything. Proverbs 3, 5. You need to memorize this if you never have. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and then you try to figure out everything else. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, but you got a Ph.D., Figure it out. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, but if you are really smart, you figure it out. That's not what it says. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Ooh, my goodness. Isn't that good, good words? Trust God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to make sure I'm right with God, and I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. Here's the next thing. Do what you can and should do. Do what you can and should do about the situation. Now, it's very interesting. Verse 14, I've seen this on Facebook. I've seen it on a lot of places. It's a great verse. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. But look in verse 15 what God says. The Lord said to Moses, why are you keep praying? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. The context is, is that God basically was saying, you prayed about it a lot, and I'm for that. 
Now, go forward literally means pull up your tents and start marching toward the sea. Thanks a lot, God, (laughs) if you're a Jewish person. In, In recent months, and this has been more personal stuff than church stuff, I have really felt like there's some situations God's told me, don't push, just leave it alone and pray. I'm a, I'm a leader, I'm a go-getter, I want to fix things, I want to change things. So I want to get in the middle of it, I want to correct it, I want to fix it and move forward. I don't want to run in place, but I, th- I felt like there's been some things God said, sit back and just pray, let me work on it. There comes a point where God says, pray, keep praying, and now start moving forward. Start doing what you need to be doing. Let's look at verse 16 through 20. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand. God's going to part the sea in a minute, but he's telling Moses, I want you to do your part. So that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they'll go in after you. God's going to deal with them once and for all. I'm going to get the glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord whom I've gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Verse 19, the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud moved before them and stood behind them, coming in between the host of the Egyptians and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud of darkness, and it was lit up in the night without one of them coming near the other. In other words, God got in the middle of them to keep the Egyptians and the Jewish people coming apart, coming together. God told Moses, you pray, you trust, but there's a time to move forward. You may not be at this place in your life. You may be with that problem. Sometimes you, you, you keep praying and you keep trusting, but you've got, to, you've got to move forward. You've got to do what God wants you to do. You've got to take the next step. How many of you people in Cisco remember Bob Ferguson, who used to pastor the Nazarene Church? Bob was a real good friend of mine. Bob was crazy. He was, he was a great, great guy. And Bob could tell a story a thousand times better than I can, but I'm going to try to tell you this story. Bob said one Wednesday night or Sunday night, he had a lady come down during the invitation. said, Pastor Bob, I can't quit smoking. Please pray that I'll quit smoking. I want to quit smoking, Pastor Bob. So Bob prayed with her. They cried, they prayed, they pleaded with God. Bob said, amen. They ended the service. He said she walked right out of that back door and lit up a cigarette on the front steps. I thought that was funny. Y'all didn't think it was funny. (laughs) I'll pray for you to lose weight, but don't have a donut in your purse and eat it the minute you walk out of that door. And I do understand. I do understand. I dipped and chewed. And and you may have to quit 15 times, but you got to start trying to quit. Amen? And if you're trying to quit smoking, at least give the preacher a 10-minute break before you fire the cigarette up. you got to do what you've got to help yourself. See, some of us are mad at everybody else, and we're wondering why, why isn't God doing anything, and God's going, why aren't you doing anything? Get up and move forward. Follow me. Listen, if the Bible is clear, stop praying about it and obey it. Listen to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is telling you what you need to do. He may be saying, sit back and don't move you. He may be saying, move forward, move forward. Talk to wise people who love you. Get their counsel. Listen to them. And when you know what God's saying, then you get up and you get going. Dr. Henry Cloud is a Christian psychologist. Some of his books are tough to read because he's so smart. 
But he says a lot of good things. In one of his books, he says that there comes a time you've got to pull the tooth. You get the tooth filled, you get it golded, you get it crusted, you get it cleaned, you get it smelling pretty. Sometimes it's just going to run your mouth, you've got to get the tooth, the tooth pulled. And what he was saying there is sometimes you just got to act. There comes a point where you have to participate with God to see things happen. So we're praying, we're trusting, we're being who we should be, and then we're going to do what God tells us to do. And here's the great thing. When we do these things, God's going to come through for you. Let me read you the rest of this story. You read along with me, verse 21 through 31. God coming through. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove back the sea by a strong east wind all night. And made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters became a wall to them on their right and their left. The Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the morning watch, the, the Lord in the pillar of the fire of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces, and threw them, the Egyptian forces, into panic, clogged their chariot wheels. They drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee, because God is fighting for the Jewish people against the Egyptians. Verse 26, the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back over the Egyptians upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course. When the morning appeared, and as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots of the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. Verse 29, the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed the Lord. Okay? Did this really happen or is this just a good story? I believe it really happened. And I want to give you some archaeology that I think is very interesting about this. Some scholars believe that this happened in an arm of the Red Sea called the Gulf of Aqaba. Part of the Red Sea, just the Gulf of it. Now, the beach where we believe that they were, and this is all important because you've got over a million people here, was, it was four and a half miles long and about two miles wide. It was a very big beach. There's mountains to the right of this area. There's mountains to the left. Obviously, there's water in front of them. They had come through a mountain pass, and now the Egyptian army is filling that mountain pass, so they are in a bad spot. Discovered in the last hundred years have been Egyptian military outposts. They're still in Egypt. So the Egyptians had been watching them and spying on them and knew what was going on. Now, this Gulf of Aqaba, in certain parts of it, it's very deep, over 6,000 feet deep over a mile underwater. And it, it starts, you just walk out, and then there's like a 45-foot incline to the depth. That's very, very deep. Now, could God have got them through there? Absolutely. But here's what in the last 100 years has been discovered. The place where we think they went through, coming out of this valley through the mountains over to the other side, is an underwater land bridge. May have been created when the Noah flood happened. 
This underwater land bridge goes from one side where they were to the other side. It is over a half a mile wide. It gets to a thousand feet deep, but it's on a six degree incline, about like that. In other words, people like me could have made this trip. Goes very slowly down and very slowly back up. It's eight miles across. And what we believe happened is they were at this spot. They wouldn't have known that that was there. It was deep water at one point anyway. And the, the Bible said God used an east wind to, to, to blow that open. I believe also it wasn't just an east wind. This was supernatural. In Exodus, obviously supernatural. In Exodus chapter five, 15, verse 8, listen to what it says. And the blast of your nostrils, the water piled up, the flood stood up in a heap, the deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. That Hebrew word congeal can literally mean to freeze. Some scholars believe when God blew that wind in there and God blew his breath there, he froze those waters like that and, and may have even frozen that underwater uh, bridge and so they're going across there on frozen ground and then as soon as they got across and that water began to thaw that wasn't good for and that land began to thaw that wasn't good for chariots and people who were fixing to get smashed by that water 1978 divers found golden chariot wheels that dated back to ancient days and they say that the gold, I don't know this, but the gold does not coralize. So then they can, when they could find it, it was pretty clear. It was a golden chariot wheel, very much like some of the ones found in Pharaoh's tombs in Egypt. They also found in coral, coralized human bone and horse bone in that same area. Isn't that neat stuff to know? So see, here's the bottom line. I think, obviously, that's a tremendous miracle, but that helps shed some light on that miracle too. And if you're doubting this morning, well, could could that have really happened? Here's what you got to ask yourself. If God could could have created the heaven and the earth, could God have done this too? if, If you can create the heaven and the earth, you can do anything you want to. Amen? So absolutely God did it. But here's the bottom line. God doesn't just do miracles to do miracles. God did a miracle to save his people who were in a bind. God did a miracle to bring glory to himself and honor himself. God did a miracle here to punish bad people. So what I want to tell you, you're in a bad spot today or you will be in the future. You get with God. You get straight with God. And God will get you over it. God will get you through it. He'll get you around it. He'll get you under it. Or he'll leave you on this side of it and you'll be happy on it but I want to tell you if God could have got those people through the Red Sea God can take care of you and me too and that ought to comfort your heart and your soul you remember the story I told you about the little boy the little boy he gets there the dad it's 19 to nothing and the boy the daddy says to the boy son it's 19 to nothing and the little boy smiled and said yeah daddy but we hadn't gone to bat yet man when you're facing your problems You don't, it's 19 to nothing in the first inning. You get God in the game and you'll win. There was a missionary named Gladys who was in China. Right as World War II was starting and the Japanese were coming into China and they were going to kill a lot of people. And and she knew she had to get, she was working with an orphan and she got 100 kids and she started through the mountains trying to get a freedom. After several weeks of hardly sleeping and just almost killing herself, she looked at her 13-year-old girl One night, she said, we're not going to be able to do this. 
And the girl said, Miss Gladys, you remember you told us the story about Moses and God getting them through the Red Sea. We can do this. And she said to that little girl, she said, I'm not Moses. And the little girl with great wisdom looked back and said, no, you're not Moses, but God is still God. And if God got them through the Red Sea, God can get us to safety. And you know what? Gladys got every one of those kids to safety. Whatever your situation is today, let me tell you something. God is still God. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, your job is to get yourself in the right place with God and stay there. And move forward with him. If you're not a Christian, what you need to do right now is you need to give your life to Jesus. Right now, you need to do it this morning. If you're ready to do so, pray with me where you are and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sin. And Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and that you arose for me. Come into my heart and I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in a moment. It's time to act. This is your time and my time to act. Maybe you just asked Jesus into your heart. Are you ready to do it? We'll be glad to help you or talk to you after church. Or you can come this morning and let us help you. But you need to cross that line with Christ today. That's the first step. And making it through those tough spots. Maybe you're here and you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to do that. You need a church. You can do that after church too. Or you can come when we stand and join us. Christian, maybe where you're standing or maybe at the altar or praying with a minister. You need to say, God, I'm getting my heart with you. And I'm going to move forward. God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And God, I'm going to believe that whatever I'm facing, that you can get me through it. Let's stand as God leads you, you respond.